Here we go. It is podcasting time. Glenn Power is here. Of course he's here because we are at PowerWorks Garage. We're going to be talking about cars and more for the next uh, little bit. Welcome, welcome aboard on this journey. And nothing but interesting conversation going to be taking place. Those who are listening to us on the internet, from whatever streaming service you're using, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome along. If you're listening to us on radio, Talk 100.3 in Dubai loves to play this podcast. Hello, and do get in touch wherever you are. And please leave, leave comments, share, like, leave constructive, leave non-constructive comments, leave a happy face, just get involved. We want to hear from you. And I got to say, Glenn, it's uh, great to be here as always. The last couple of podcasts we've been talking about looking for used cars and things because I have a child who, a grown man who's looking for a used car and he is getting angry because cars are posted and, you know, this is the day and age where even dealers who have got a used car lot are posting up their cars online and every time he gets there to go and look at them, they're sold. He says they could be up for a day and they're sold. So he's getting uh, a little angrier by the moment on these problems. Yeah, I've got friends in used car showrooms that are the same, that, you know, they have staff as colleagues that are specifically there to buy cars for them to sell. There's just no stock. Yeah. I mean, we got a, I got a, a great call yesterday from my, and so the, the upside of this, and I've got to say, this is, this is warming my heart is, you know, I got boys and, and they're nice boys and they do call and get in touch, but I'm hearing from my oldest son more than I've ever heard from him since he's back home because of this car search. And he's asking advice. The wife is laughing. She's going He's actually asking you for advice on cars. And of course, I then tap the network of Glenn and Colin and, and so on to get some augmented advice from my thoughts based on all of these podcasts, which have become a, a wonderful source of education. And his latest one was a Toyota Corolla. And I, I listened to that and I just heard the word Corolla. And I went, you're good to go, dude. That, that could be okay. He did say, though, oh, Dad, it, it is a CVT. And we're in a, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about what a CVT is and, and stuff. And I, I went, ah. Oh. But the Nissan, love the Nissan folks, love Nissan vehicles. <laughs> Nissan's CVT has not necessarily gotten the best reviews from everyone. But Toyota, for the most part, is doing okay. And they've done something, something fun with the CVT on this Corolla that they're selling. It's a Corolla LE, uh, you know, 2017 year model, you know, modest amount of kilometers on the, the clock. But what they've done with the CVT, because they know that it's just going to go, is they've actually put in a little programming so that it has a little bit of lag where it would change gears. Nice. So it gives you the feel and it doesn't just... Which is ultimately the main complaint about a CVT. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've, they've tried. But Corolla, I mean, 50 year legacy, that vehicle. I mean, for the most part, they know what they're doing. Yeah, you're not going to go wrong with the Corolla in terms of reliability. You've just got to, again, we, we mentioned it, right? It's, it's what do you want the car for? Yeah. And and they're not overly massive, you know, no. they're quite big compared to the old ones, but easy to park, get around relatively good on fuel. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not fully 
technologically advanced as a as a European car would be in terms of engine wise and and tech inside. But you know, there's a couple of questions. Somebody the age of your son, probably as a parent, you probably want him to think, well, I hope it's got Bluetooth for the phone. Yeah, I it does. I don't want him distracted yeah. on the phone. Yeah, yeah. And it's got an airbag. Yeah. It's got airbag. It's got basic basic connectivity yeah. on board. And, you know, I'm thinking of that stuff, but I'm also thinking, how much is this car going to cost you to repair? Yeah, well... The, and I that's mean, where I think a Corolla fits in nicely. Yeah, the Corolla doesn't necessarily need repairs outside of the regular scheduled stuff and the normal wear and tear. They're very, very reliable, as, as we've mentioned. So that's going to keep cost of ownership down. Yeah. You know, if you, if you want to... It, it, again, I mean, because he's seen the car. So, you know, if, if he's seen the car, you could perhaps, okay, take a note of the tire size, go down to the tire shop and ask them how yeah. much is a set of tires. Yeah. And you're going to know, okay, in the next two years, I'm going to be putting these on, plus how much are winter tires. Right. Okay. Now, there's thousands of these things around. Are there any wheels in the scrapyard? Can I buy them? How much? Can I put some winter tires on them? Then you know, yeah. right? Can I, cut, can I keep those wheels anyway and then just swap the wheels over myself in the yeah. summer? That sort of thing might help go down to the local uh, motor factors or whatever the equivalent would be and, and ask them for, you know, how much is it going to cost for brakes and spark plugs? And to be quite honest, a Corolla is probably one of the, one of the last, I mean, we mentioned the, the Nissan the Versa last week yeah. and the Hyundai. Accent. They're three good cars, really, that, you know, if, if there are still such things as Haynes manuals now when they were made, but you could service and do brakes on yourself. You could right. teach yourself relatively, you know, and this is for, for Uncle Joey to maybe go and <laughs> cast a knowing eye over the, over the development process. But, you know, with a manual and, and some, yeah. some desire and a bit of motivation, you, you can, you can learn to do the basics on your own car. Mm, mm. Now, obviously, as a as a business owner, I'm not suggesting people do that, but there are certain things that you should know how to do. Yeah. And if you can change your own oil and do your own brakes, it will get you out of a situation potentially. So there we go. Now, the challenge is, as I said, went to go see it, already sold. So yeah. he's keeping his eyes open, but it... As he as he said, you know, this is the first Corolla he's spoken about. Lots of accents out there. Yeah, there was a Nissan. Colin was not. Which a big area fan. are we in, in Canada? By the way, we're in Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. So he uh, was not getting lucky so far. Uh, Colin wasn't a big fan of the Nissan. And no. He said, you know, nice enough vehicle, but it was a Nissan Micra. I said, man, I think I would, I would still aim way towards the Hyundai at that point, and. Uh, so anyway, we'll see. It's an ongoing, ongoing, but it's it's again that challenge of finding stock. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just. I mean, the the, the good thing for me is I, I feel like it keeps us on track to still get him in a golf. We've got time. <laughs> Ottawa, Gatineau. Yeah. Okay. It's across the river. Yeah. Similar place. Yeah. So I'm looking for all Volkswagen. Oh yes. 2018 Volkswagen Golf. 44 45,000 kilometers, 25,000 yeah. dollars. 2013 Golf, 130,000 kilometers in Chelsea, Quebec. Is that yeah, QC? Yeah, yeah, 15,000 dollars. Oh, 2010 looks like a Golf Plus, three and a half thousand dollars. Oh, only done 260,000. <laughs> See, I'd, I'd be right over that. I, yeah, there's a manual 2015 here with 15,000 dollars. Wow. 
and it's only done 100,000 kilometers. That's in Ottawa, Ontario. Wow. I got to maybe suggest this to him. Flag that one. Send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Kijiji? Kijiji, yeah. yeah. Kijiji, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds kind of, that sounds interesting. There we go. Live automotive investigation. <laughs> live sales. price checks. Yeah, live price checks for Canada coming from Dubai. Oh, man. Um, a lot of folks listening, and the, we, we talk a lot about manual transmissions, automatic transmissions, and lately we've been talking about CVT. And let's just, let's just give a, a little reminder of what we're talking about for folks and and I, a little reminder and, and someone's going to say it's obvious what these things are james so you know and, and they're getting ready to turn off the podcast but don't turn it off because what i really want to talk about is things you need to think about in terms of maintenance and longevity with these three different types of transmissions yeah i mean maintenance wise cvt and automatics are relatively similar Okay. Relatively similar, and they work in very similar ways. But the different what this, and I just fact checked myself before we came on because I think I remember being told, and I've confirmed that I was. The CVT was a concept from Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci, right. whatever that's going to be, five six hundred years ago. All right, so, there we like, go. He he basically it was his concept was an infinite gear ratio okay and that's basically what a cvt is and, and cvt is, is as good as you're going to get to and effectively i suppose it is um and and if you can imagine everyone's had a bike everyone's had yeah. a push bike or seen a push bike you've got a big gear and a small gear and then the big gear can get smaller and smaller and smaller and then that changes the ratio and that changes how easy or hard it is to pedal and how much work you get from the effort you put in so basically if you take that if you take that uh, gear pack of, of cogs on the back of a, a bike, and you, it's, in a, it's a conical shape, yeah? So you've got the bigger one on the inside and the smaller one as you go out, so it yeah. makes a cone. You, and this is, as, I'm trying to keep it layman terms, really. Uh, there are some good articles, if you wanted to look them up, I'm sure, but if you imagine doing that on the other end, but in an opposite opposing way, so you've got one cone facing left to right and one cone underneath that facing right to left, you then connect them with a band, so a chain, because we're using that analogy, it's not a chain, but that chain can then move up and down either of those cones effectively to any position it wants to. The cones can move with it, and then therefore you can have any kind of gear ratio that you want. Mm. So you, you, you're not limited. What it does is, and you just There's mentioned a CV, it, We're talking about a CVT. CVT yeah. Yeah. What it does is it gives you zero gear change feel because right. it doesn't ever really change gear. It just goes up and down ratio which isn't the same for driver to driver. The engineer is changing there to try and allow the driver to to be connected to the car. But they're not really going anywhere. You've got to think electric electric cars, put your foot down and just keep going through the same principle. Mm. And they are good in terms of when you want to put your foot down, you can instantly have the right ratio for the torque and the power request that you've made from the accelerator pedal they're just so they just i guess it's the it's the difference between a manual and a dsg gearbox if you if you drive a porsche gt3 around a racetrack with a pdk gearbox in it 
and a manual gearbox in it, you're almost certainly going to have more fun if you're a racing driver or a driver that enjoys driving in the manual, but you'll be quicker in the PDK. What's a, what's a PDK? It's DSG, so it's okay. German. So it's uh, the, that's what Porsche, that's the okay. Porsche acronym for the DSG, which is Volkswagen's acronym, and S-Tronic, which is Audi's. So it's a double clutch gearbox. Which and means? Effectively, it's a manual gearbox, but it's automatically controlled. Okay. So that's the best automatic gearbox you can get, in my opinion. So automatic gearbox, but you still get to do a little bit of work with it. You can still shift the gears manually like you can on, on a more standard automatic gearbox, but it is a manual gearbox. It just has effectively two gears engaged at once. Again, mm. that's very, very basic and okay. not entirely true, but it, it does so. Right. that The gear changes very, very fast. So... That's the difference from, you know, when you take a CVT from an automatic. The automatics are sometimes not nice to drive if you prefer driving a manual, but then you go from the automatic to the CVT and it's even less involved for the driver. You're literally just pressing the accelerator. Mm. You don't need to kick down hard to get it around something. You don't need to back off to get it to shift up. It's constantly in a state of changing the, the, the setting on the on the the gearbox so that it's in the right torque band and they are very smart as i say it's an old idea that was probably some another thing that da vinci got laughed at about an infinite gear ratio people very rarely you know don't laugh at new ideas but i think for me the issue with them is just the lack of driving feel but okay. they aren't going anywhere because electric vehicles have the same effectively yeah. because you're just connecting a big battery to a motor that's just turning right okay so the cvt you know really just like drive it, i always make the analogy of driving a, a, a lawnmower because those ride-a-mores operate on a cvt system you they're just not put your going foot, anywhere you've yeah. got to i you've got to 2006 2005 anyway early to mid 2000s i was told by vw on training that the carbon emissions and fuel consumption data and everything that the EU asked for, which was relatively new in terms of regulation then. It was always done, but it was quite strictly monitored at that point. The reason that all the vehicles were going from manual to DSG, as we were Volkswagen and, and, auto, and even away from the automatic to DSG, it was making the cars more expensive, but it kept VW's figures down right because they make you drive more efficiently than mm. you would if you had a manual so just like the reason for all the covers over the engines and covers over the headlights and you can't change your own headlight bulb nowadays just like all of that putting an automatic gearbox or cvt or dst is is a way of controlling how the vehicle is driven okay so, so they are a lot more expensive to repair and replace than a manual gearbox in a manual gearbox, you have a clutch and you're physically moving the gears yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the... Effectively, with a manual gearbox, you may have to change the clutch every 80,000 miles, maybe, depending on how you I mean, drive. That much. Depends how you drive. Yeah, okay. And if you've got a big, torquey diesel car, you might have to do it more than that. And if you drive like a lunatic, you might have to do it more than that. But... An automatic transmission can very, very quickly get to the point of a terminal failure. Whereas, a, you know, me and DJ used to repair manual gearboxes quite often. We had recalls on them. We had, you know, lots of things that we used to do on manuals, which were 
quite complex the first, second, third time you've done them, but once you've done a few, then they're easy. The automatics, again, complex, relatively easy once you've done them, but the components are so much more expensive. So much more expensive. It's a lot. There's a lot more fine engineering involved with an automatic gearbox. There's a lot goes into an automatic gearbox than a manual gearbox. Manual gearboxes, apart from the angle of the of the teeth that have been cut on the gears now, they haven't really changed from plows and tractors. Like nothing's changed in hundreds of years. But the automatics are very very complex. There's a there's a benefit to them, of course. Some people can only drive automatic some people that's laziness some people it's disability so there are benefits to them and as i said from a manufacturer's point of view they control or better control how you drive the car and and that gives them better figures that they can submit to the regulatory authorities to say well this is going to do this amount of kilograms of carbon in a ten thousand mile window or whatever they're measured on there, there are some people who like to think that you get better fuel economy from a vehicle that is a manual transmission. Is that is that true? No. no. It, it, Again, it I'm comes sure, back to control. Yeah, I'm sure you could drive. I'm sure you could drive a manual. Efficient. I mean, look, me and DJ. I remember driving from probably about eighty or ninety miles from our hometown to a, the sort of most common popular seaside town where we where we lived and getting over 60 miles to a gallon on his on his diesel which was clocked on the dashboard and you know that was a game we were playing and see how high we could get it so it wasn't the briskest most brisk drive back but we got home and and it was great we got over 60 but you have to understand that if you're driving a manual and you just for a second hold on to a gear too long or you you know you forget the only benefit really in terms of not losing as much energy with the manual is the fact that you get the engine braking so when you're under engine braking so what we mean by that is when you're still in gear but you've disengaged the throttle the engine is effectively an effort of drive has the effort of driving the gearbox and that slows it down so then that slows everything down, so you slow your speed down. So you can drive a manual, leave it in gear, and come to a stop. You can't do that in an automatic. It's effectively coasting when you let go of the brake, which is why one of the reasons we get so many worn-out brakes in this country is not just the heat, but because everything's automatic. Like in the UK, you'd have customers coming in in a polo that would complain and say, why am I changing my brake pads? You only did them 70,000 miles ago. <laughs> <laughs> 70,000 miles because you yeah. don't really have to use your brakes you know you can yeah. you can approach a junction in fifth gear and drop it to second and yeah. by the time you would potentially need to press the brakes you've looked and you can go and you can yeah you know you can get out and you've not used your brakes at the point of disengaging the throttle you're using next to zero fuel the engine's rotating because the wheels are moving the gearbox effectively it's going the, the drive is going the other way so then the effort that the wheels have to put in is slowed by the, the engine. Obviously, it depends which way you look at the transfer, but that is the biggest benefit of the manual for me. Mm. CVT mm. versus automatic transmission, which way do you lean? Uh, probably metro or bus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, there we go. No, I mean, there's no avoiding <laughs> automatics here. There isn't yeah. avoiding, you know, that you just can't avoid them. And, and anybody that's watched, you know. I think worldwide, it's getting harder and harder. <clears throat> Most automatics are going to double clutch now. I think pretty much all the big brands have got a double clutch option. And anyone that's driven, I remember I had a friend that was working with me when I worked at another place, and he'd never driven a Golf GTI with a DSG in it. And this is like, 10 years ago and I remember saying to him oh, I'll just do the road test and I said that that gearbox is really really good you'll like it it's obviously like the first generation one as well and he came back and he was like it's really good it changes when you tell it to change it's like you drive it in sport you drive it in auto full auto you can shift it onto the paddles and it changes down and up when you want it to I was like yeah really good so anyone that then drives a double clutch will never go back to an automatic happily no chance yeah. they just there's no way no way at all and you do have a bit of control over engine braking with a with a double clutch gearbox because you can re-engage the gears manually and, and, right. and you can to an extent with an automatic but it's just clunky and yeah. industrial and was okay for its time but we've moved on and it's no good anymore mm. okay so things to keep in mind as you're looking at vehicles or looking at your own vehicle and and people start mentioning these terms a little bit of an intro makes <laughs> it easy yeah yeah i mean look, like i said if, if you like to drive you're going to go for a manual and then a push you go for a, a double clock joey woo woo <laughs> yeah, the laugh I, I so glenn and i joey woo woo aka jason my brother I, has the dubious honor of because of his job getting many rental cars for long-term rentals and, you know, he's a sedan guy. I've started the rumor that he's crashing them, and that's why he changes them all the time. Yeah, well, I think that's a good one, too. And he recently broke down and got a Jeep Wrangler, Rubicon, that he's been driving around. At which point, our conversation was, he's going to hate that vehicle because he's used to driving, well, he just came off a Mercedes. He's, you know, he's, he's driven Volkswagens. He's driven... American GMCs, he, he Mazdas, he's driven the full gamut, but all of them tend to be SUV type vehicles or sedans. And then he's getting into a Jeep, which a Jeep Wrangler, which is I'm going. There's no wishbone suspension on a no Jeep sedan. Wrangler. That's no sedan. And I'm going all of the things he loves: lane assist, and you know the car basically drives itself, and the dashboard, and the dashboard, and you know so he can warm up his food. I mean, this that's not a Wrangler, and you have to be attentive. And that's I think he keeps sending me back comments that I'm sharing with you. This thing's all over the road. This thing, you know, you, it's like, you know, because he's used to using his gimbal to film stuff clearly when he's driving. And you, you can't be doing that when you're driving the, the Wrangler. No. Because it, it needs you to be attentive to keep in the lane because it wants to drive in the ditch, <laughs> which yeah. he's finally getting. And I said, you know, he says, well, it's all over the road because it doesn't want to be on the road, dude. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't want to be on the road. What are you doing on the road? Yeah. But the, the, the funny thing is, and I don't know if this is, I, I think deep down in his heart, he's always wanted to be a Wrangler driver. And, you know, his, his big brother is driving two of them. And I keep sending him the images of, you know, 44, 45 degrees with no windows, which my wife's going, why are you doing that? And I'm going, well, that's just Glenn's putting you up to this? Like, and you're <laughs> following through on a Glenn challenge? <laughs> but I think he's always wanted to be a Wrangler driver because now he's also sending pictures 
of his Wrangler parked at crazy angles. And he'll be, oh yeah, my, my boss has gone in to get a coffee. And you can see based on the front window and looking at signs that, you know, he's parked sideways on some hill or something, which I'm going, you would never do that in any other vehicle. Yet here you are in the city looking for any place that you can put your Wrangler to the test. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Straight up every curb. Yeah. When you get stopped by the police, I'm sorry, officer, but uh, it's a Wrangler. It's a Wrangler. It didn't what, want to be on the road. Uh, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to just drive it on the flat tarmac. You know, and he, he he does have a four-wheel drive, very nice Sierra, you know, King Cab, all that kind of stuff, massive engine, which he never talks about. And I, I get pictures of him driving this Wrangler through fields and backwoods. And he's not going to make the Sierra day, is he? <laughs> no, it's, like, it's, it's not a real vehicle, that thing. It's, yeah, don't want to get it dirty. Exactly. I remember, I remember my granddad once took his bike out. So we lived, he lived about not even 300 yards from, but it was around the corner and up a hill. So you couldn't see from that, not even 300 yards from a, from a pub. There's a pool table in there, and he used to t- t- that's where he taught me how to play pool and snooker. And he used to take his bike out on a Sunday, not even wanting to take it. He had a gold wing, didn't even want to take it out. He just took it up there, sat in the pub for a couple of hours, came back. So he'd done 500, 600 meters. And the only reason he did it was so my grandma would clean it. Because <laughs> she'd clean it every time he used it. I mean, it was covered, gleaming. <laughs> could do the clean, though. I just can't be bothered to clean it. I don't want to go out on it. Getting too old for this. I mean, Goldwing's a big bike. Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, he was getting on for 60 at that time. Goldwing's a big bike. Oh, big was, heavy bike. I just ride it up to the pub and tell her I've been out on it and then come back in a couple of hours and she'll clean it. Eh? But, you know, that's just what it is. He can't do that with the Sierra. It was, you no. do. He can't clean his own car, can he? No, no. Chrome and nonsense on it. Oh, man. It, so, so I don't know if he actually found the features because he was looking for lane assist and I'm sure the Rubicon has lane assist, but maybe not. But he was looking for that and, you know, warming up his lunch is a little bit of a problem just because of the way the dash is. But he, he kind of figured it out, although I thought where he had his food then was obstructing his vision. But, you know, that's kind of an issue and does have heated seats. When, you know, and it was, it, it was that whole video where Joey Woo's got his lunch burrito warming. Oh, no, sorry. It was poor man pierogies warming up on the dash. So his whole thing is smelling like potatoes and onions and imagine. And he's got so he's got the he's got the vehicle just just warming up more than you could ever want it to warm up. And then I notice as he's flicking down, he's got the seats on too. And I'm sure that day he was talking it was like 26 degrees Celsius. He's got his seat warmers. I said, oh, you know, bad back. So he's driving in the heat with the seats hot. Yeah, but then of course it's Canada, so the next day it was zero. Yeah. <laughs> so then he's got yeah. the heated steering wheel on. So you know, yeah. it's got got the features. But I I, I think. He pointed out the key as well. Like that those, I don't get the like grenade-looking key. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> I don't get it. But... Just, just looked here. The 2023 model of Jeep has a lane sense, they call it, which is a lane, lane assist. But I think a couple of places said that it was an option, so maybe it hasn't been yeah, so Maybe they didn't put it on this mm. this Rubicon that's a rental. Yeah. So it's, uh, well, hopefully he found it or he didn't find it, although it makes him more attentive on the road. Yeah. And he, or, or, you know what, maybe it does have assist because he, and he did find it because he was complaining about the way it detected the lines. There you go, then. So, so there was an issue with something that he was talking about. So, and we had that problem in a, in a Ford where the, the, it was early gen, but that, that 
nothing just didn't work. It was actually a Lincoln. It didn't work. So, yeah. So I don't know. It's, I, I just don't know. It's one of those things you, you love to hate them. And I think people get into the Wrangler and they kind of go, Oh man, the suspension on this and it's all over the road and it's this and it's that. And, and you have a litany of reasons you don't like it. But you still want it. See, the thing is, you've got to champion things like the Wrangler, whether you like them or not. If yeah. you like cars, because we talked about it last week, VW is saying they're getting rid of the Golf. I can't believe that. I'm still you know, in shock. Like, the Wrangler is one of the last remaining cars that looks like it did when it was made yeah. to an extent and is different from every single other thing on the road. And not that I'm saying it's a good or a bad thing, Half the cars I see on the road now that are new are all Chinese. Yeah. And they all look the same. Yep. So champion things like the Wrangler and keep them keep them out there because there's never going to be another one if they stop making it. And, you know, uh, I think something else worth mentioning as well with lane assist is there's obviously two types of lane assist and we're using that term. So there's only, there's lane hold assist, which keeps you in between the white lines. Mm. And then there's lane change assist, which is stopping you changing a lane because there's a car in your blind spot. Right. So you'll get the warning as you cross over the line on lane hold, and you'll get the warning as you cross over the line or signal to cross over the line on lane change assist if there's something in your blind spot. They use very similar sensors, and I think most cars that have one have them both, but it's not always the case. Not always the case that they'll have both, but they are two different functions yeah. effectively well and just keeping those sensors clean keeping them aimed correctly i mean there's a lot of things i, I saw something <laughs> bmw they've put this video showing off that they've got basically washer jets high pressure washer jet nozzles that come out so they're not just there they come yeah. out to wash the sensors on their cars okay excellent <laughs> yeah. so next to the sensor we're going to put rubber hose which always splits yeah and leaks onto these expensive sensors, but they're there just to wash the body off. What's that? That's unnecessary. That's a great idea on paper. Well, no, I'll tell you what, why has no one invented one that washes number plates off? Yeah. Most of the number plates in the UK from uh, September to February, March, can't be read because they're dirty from the road spray. That's more important <laughs> than more this important. stupid sensor because you can't be bothered to turn your head around to it's look if there's anything in your blind spot. But it's all these sensors now in vehicles. And I and again, we become sensor dependent, which which does worry me quite a bit. And and maybe it's envy because I'm driving around in a two thousand eight Wrangler that has like nothing. I mean, it doesn't even have cruise control. It's got sensor none. And maybe it's just doesn't have a roof, one of them. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't have a roof either. It's, it's a, it's half doors. Yeah. You know, it's it's you know, it's it, I, look, if you believe in if you if you if you believe in the whole uh you know, all seeing eye conspiracy that, you know, we're being controlled. This is just the slow passage to fully automatic driving. Well, that what a great segue. You're reading my mind. I sent you this morning a what uh, an Instagram mm. piece from Hewlett Packard and their printers. And in their latest version of printers that take HP ink cartridges they have put in programming based on the ink cartridges that if you put in non HP cartridges, it won't work. And I was reading that and I was going, Oh, that's, no, oh, that's a real bummer. I mean, and then I went, Oh, hold it, hold it. And I just started thinking about our cars. And that's when I sent you the post and said, 
imagine now you've got parts that are going into your vehicle, expensive parts, and they have got a sensor connector on it. And the sensor connector speaks to the part to authenticate it. And it can't authenticate it. Yeah. It's not going to work. Now, That's the way it'll go. On the, on the one hand, for counterfeiting parts, for those, those folks, unless they're coming off the factory line, counterfeit parts are coming off the factory line where they actually make the original parts, it could get harder to beat that, that coding that could change. But it's, it's gonna re- it could potentially push up the price of vehicles and the price of parts because you could only get original parts. And well, for me, initially there might be a little bit of a hit. But if manufacturers are going to be allowed to get away with this, they should then be exposed to the fact that, okay, guys, but you're going to then sell all the parts of that car in the future, which you yeah. will make more money on, so the price of that car has to reflect it and it has right. to come down. Yeah. And if that happens, yeah, I've got no problem. Look, for me, working in a dealer, I totally appreciate the necessity at times, often, to have a proper qualified technician look at a complicated system the amount of eos roofs that i used to get that someone had messed around with sometimes someone on the ramp next to me they weren't fully qualified to do it the amount of headaches you'd have to deal with because of that and you know so there are times i understand and i get it but if if that's going to happen then fine, but you've got to reflect the fact that you're going to get all the part sales from that car by bringing the price of the car down because right. you're going to make money in the future. And it's effectively, they're effectively, that is an investment in in technology which allows them to make more money later down yeah. the line. And it, it does put the burden on your manufacturer to have parts available so that yeah. even if someone's coming to PowerWorks Garage and you've got to go get a Volkswagen part from Alna Buda, yeah, that they have the part. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, sorry, it's going to take yeah. so many weeks. Our market here is a, is a, is a, that would be the acid test because yeah. the parts market here is terrible. But Ford patented the repo technology, right? Oh, yeah. So if you miss a payment, <laughs> it'll drive itself to the Can you dealer. I mean, that's coming. I mean, it's so easy now, isn't it? Like all of these things in our vehicles just won't start. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I remember when, when I did the self park the park assist training on convenience electronics at VW. And uh, we had it on a TIG one, I think it was. I remember sitting in the car and uh, I sat there in the car and I was like just holding my hands across me and the car parked itself and it was amazing. And I remember asking the, the, the tutor if I could get back in and film it on my phone so I could show my nan. She wouldn't believe it. And it was amazing. 2007 whatever it was and then the video on the course was showing us what park assist 2 was that was park assist 1 park assist 1 would only parallel park park assist 2 would parallel and uh, horizontal park into a bay and the video that they had when the test that they did was in a in a sky rise high rise in Tokyo where there is no space so all the cars are mirror to mirror it showed the driver getting out pressing the lock button with having already selected park assist on the dash the car locked parked itself into the bay millimeters either side on the mirrors and then when you came back you pressed the unlock button and it put itself to the position that you'd left it in that was 2007 wow 
um, you think where we've come in the last 15, 16 years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and as far as we've come that we don't know about, that's, that's just, you know, and... No one's talking autonomous cars right now, but you don't think that all of the automotive manufacturers have got this perfected at this point yeah, and they just yeah. haven't yeah. flicked the switch in the programming? I mean, if you think about, I've been to factories and, I mean, Mazdar City in, in Abu Dhabi have had the self-driving buggies that take people around the city and, and yeah. that, that, that's been going 15 <laughs> nearly 20 years maybe yeah you know and okay it uses a magnetic track i think and a bit like the strip on the back of a card but you know it, it's been around for a long time yeah. i mean it's not the the issue is like i said it's the phasing in you yeah. can't phase it in yeah. everybody or nobody because it's not safe yeah you cannot predict what the guy, the girl, sometimes a dog. I mean, I've got TikTok, there's dogs driving cars. <laughs> I saw that one. But whoever, I mean, some, whoever it is, you can't predict what that person is going to do. That person could have a heart attack. That person could have some form of seizure. That person could, you know, be smoking a cigarette and drop the cigarette and set fire to the groin and then crash because, they, you know, these things happen every single day. That's not something an autonomous car can predict. So... It's got to be everybody or nobody. Otherwise, you might as well tell half the people you can drive on the other side of the road. It would be the same carnage just everywhere. But there are states in America, there are places in Europe that are that are allowing it and fully autonomous. And you know, then when when Elon Musk finally gets the Neuralink device for people's brains done, then maybe you can have everyone on autonomous cars, even if they haven't got one, because. You can predict what he's going to do because yeah. he's got Neuralink in <laughs> and it's connected to the network anyway. <laughs> so, but no, the, the the issue there with the printer, if you take that example, Jeep had the Grand Cherokee that was hacked by hackers driving right. next to it and they turned made it steer out of the lane, right? Because it's got electronically controlled steering. The issue with having a system on a vehicle that allows that vehicle to understand what the parts are means it has to be networked on a data mm. network. Now, all cars have data networks now. It's not quite like, is it Fast and the Furious where they put some sort of spike device and can shut a car down? And it's like, yeah. a, like a 90s Toyota or something. And it's like, okay, well, all right, you've just given it an electric shock or whatever you've done. But in a similar way, you could, with the right knowledge and ability to connect, you could take over the controls of a vehicle. To what extent manufacturers go to protect that from happening is probably going to be something we find out with the old suck it and see test but i think that this situation probably arose 15 years ago and they're now working out okay but how do we stop someone bypassing that how do we stop someone hijacking that and i think that's probably where the time delay comes from because people get completely carried away with technology sometimes everybody rushed the mobile phones oh amazing yeah i wanted to connect to the internet i can remember sat with a flip i think it was an alcatel or something it was the only phone i can remember at the time it was black my friend had it flipped over like a clamshell and then used to watch the the black and white pixelated picture of the earth go around while it tried to connect to the internet and all you could do was go on polyphonicringtones.com and download a ringtone scan m&m scan or whatever it was at the time but that was like amazing but now you've got the whole situation where my phone's on now. 
And I guarantee that when I go on Facebook, Instagram or whatever the next time, there's going to be some form of video suggested for me about self-driving cars or, yeah. you know, hydraulic, uh, automatic gearboxes. So the rush for technology has to be tampered sometimes. And, and manufacturers of cars, there are still some old school brains in there that will be like, whoa, hold your horses a little bit. And then it's down to the new influx of computer savvy the computer savvy generation that can then address the concerns and that's what's important we have to be very careful with that you don't want to be sat i mean you take carjackings is still a big problem in a lot of parts of the world yeah we don't hear about it so i was here. told by a friend of mine when i was considering going to south africa uh, be careful because I was sat in the car and watched someone get stolen, get their, their car stolen in front of us at some traffic lights, and it was like crazy. And yeah, when I was there, people were telling me at night, just keep driving. Yeah, don't stop. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was no there was no traffic on the road because people just weren't yeah. out. But what happens when you can't keep driving? Because yeah. the carjack is no longer just some desperate guy in a balaclava with a with a lead pipe or a gun. It's an eighteen year old kid yeah. sat at the side of the road on his laptop. Yeah, you're done. And then your car doesn't move. And then he drives it to wherever he wants it to go. Yeah, yeah. What do you do, right? And then is the ultimate fail-safe Skynet where the government potentially puts something in where they can stop everything? So there's an accident on the road. They divert you automatically. They have control to divert you. There's an accident or there's a they need to put roadworks in, so they automatically divert you the way they want you to go. You know, there's... These things are all questions that we're not that... In fact, the people there are people definitely working on these questions now. If I can think of them, then other people smarter than I have definitely already thought of them and on our work and maybe even have solutions to them, but we're just the public and we're not ready to understand that yet. But when, once you can get different makes and models of vehicles, so the Toyota's talking to the Nissan's, talking to the Hyundai's, talking to the, the GM's, talking, yeah. once you can get all the, the vehicles talking to each other, well, we're in trouble, or, or not? But that suddenly the Chinese ones will. Yeah, no, that's all, I mean, all the Chinese companies and manufacturers all have some kind of, again, for good or bad. I, I don't know what I feel about it, but depends who you listen to. But they're all in some way because of the way they represent their country and their government. They're all connected to the government. Yeah. So the Chinese, the Chinese offer as a massive opportunity in terms of testing that kind of thing, where a JAC and a whatever a biac yeah but exactly they they could constantly be communicating over a network that is exclusive yeah. to them right yeah. and it's again you know you've got things like quantum computers that america are trying to crack it europe are trying to crack it china are trying to crack it they're all doing it in a different way yeah they're all gonna have their own network to do it and the cars will be the same and and i think there's a there's obviously or i would hope Maybe I'm being too optimistic and, you know, considering what we've been through the last three, four, five years, thinking that humankind can be better than, than they are. <laughs> but you would hope and I would expect that these questions are being answered and these problems are being foreseen because yeah. if they haven't, now's the time to learn coding. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, or at least understand it because you can get chat to do it for you, but at least understand what you want it to do and be able to 
articulate that so that you can explain to something how you want it to make. Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's lots coming. It's interesting. Really quickly, I want to talk about leeks. You you talked about a couple of weeks the ago. Vegetable. Yeah, yeah, those as well. Okay, I don't uh, mind them, you, really. You talk about the oil leaks and other leaks that are going on in cars, and you're seeing quite a few of them recently. And it could be coolant, transmission, brake fluids. Uh, what what do we need to be looking for? What's What do we need to do to be vigilant? The biggest this? thing is what we've talked about before, where if you can on a whatever may be the first day of the weekend, if you can get up on that morning and just go out and do a basic check on your vehicle, whether that's put the ignition on and go through the menu on the screen and check the status or whether that's lift the bonnet and get an oily rag and, and dip a dipstick and open a coolant tank. And these are the sort of things that if you can do them once a week and get into it, literally it will take you half an hour. If you can get into the habit of doing that once a week, you're only ever going to be seven days. You know, if you, if you spring a leak that afternoon, you're not potentially going to know till the next, unless it's a major leak till the next week or in the week in between where you get a warning light. Most cars now will get, give you warning lights and most cars give you warning lights before it's too late. Some of the cars back in the day that used to tell you you were overheating <laughs> told you you were overheating after your piston had welded itself to the block. Yeah. But, you know, most of them now are overly sensitive. So you'll get good warning. But if you can check the levels once a week, and as we've said before, anyone that wants to know how to do that on their vehicle is more than welcome to bring it to us. And I would guess if you use us or any other garage, go to the garage and say, can you please help me? And tell me and show me how to check yeah. my levels. So you can create your little checklist. Yeah, yeah. And if you can do that once a week, you can have no problems. I mean, we've got the, it's an extreme example, but we've got the Gallardo in there having coolant leaks fixed. And there's four pipes that needed to be changed. Four. They're only small, sort of as thick as your index finger, rubber pipes with reinforced interiors, but they've cracked. And two of them go from the engine in the back to the radiator at the front. But to do that, they go through the chassis and the bulkhead and round the back of the body and <laughs> twice round the engine and <laughs> through the gearbox and, you know, yeah. as you expect. And it's, it's a, it's a labor intensive repair and there's no avoiding that. That's going to checking yeah. your coolant every week. Isn't going to stop that happening. But seeing that that's happening you're still going to have a big job to repair it, but it's not as big as taking the engine out because you've blown the head gaskets on it. Mm. The head gaskets on that Gallardo, you know, you're talking 10, 15 days in the garage, potentially month and a half, two months for parts because of where we are. Oh, man. You yeah. know, so all the exp expense of the fact that it's Lamborghini, well, you know, it's going yeah. to be Lamborghini parts. And, yeah, it's not, it's not something to, it's like the old, oh, I'm not going to go to the doctors. I was telling something wrong with me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's good to know though, right? You find out you've got a coolant leak and it's a nightmare because you've got a coolant leak and you've got to fix it, but it's yeah. better than finding out you, you had a coolant leak and that's why your engine's failed. Yeah. And, and, and we're in the summer now. We're getting to the, to the you know, the, the switch has been flicked. It's over 40 degrees. You don't get long with an overheated engineer for, for catastrophic failures. I've seen, and I've, I've seen quite a few overheatings happening right now. And it's, it just reminds me, make sure you got your coolant topped up, check that because I, I'm seeing those cars pulled over heat of the day yeah. on the side of the road. And you know, there's nothing you can do. You got to let it cool down for 20 minutes. Well, you're going to boil at, at 20 minutes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's crazy. 
So check your fluids. Just just have a get, make a little checklist. Go through once a week. Yep. So that you at least know. Oh, I've got something. I've got to go talk to my mechanic about. And I, I love that piece of advice. Whatever garage you use, ask them to show you where the things any, are. Any person, customer or not, that yeah. says to me, "Can you help me and show me how to do it and and, and help me create?" Like you said, a checklist. No problem. Yeah. But you, you bring it in. We're not going to charge you for that. We're going to because ultimately it makes our job easier because you then have an appreciation and an understanding to a certain level of what we're then talking yeah. about in the future if you do have a problem and it'll save you problems and it makes our job easier so everybody wins and if you don't use our garage or you don't want to come to our garage but you obviously must use a garage if you're listening to this and have a car go to that garage and just say to them politely maybe at the next service visit can i check with the mechanic half an hour 20 minutes, whatever it's going to be before I drop it off or after I pick it up to show me how to check the levels. And and, and if they say no, then they say know, no, it's I'd time to find a new garage. But maybe it's time to, you know, yeah. Yeah. But hey, look, uh, Glenn has put himself out there and he said, you know, if you want to do that, come by Powerworks and have a chat. So, and, and but that, and that's the other thing, you know, garage can be busy. It's a little bit of time, but it's, it's well worth investing in your customers so that they understand their vehicle better. It makes, it makes the repairs better because they can give you more information. What have we got here? Maybe 20 staff, 15, 20 staff, every single person in this building with the exception of one would be able to show you that. There we go. Nice. Excellent. Hey, Glenn, this has been a, a lot of fun as always. Really enjoyed the conversation. And look, if you, however you're listening to us across video, through audio podcasts and beyond, get in touch. If that's using WhatsApp, if you're listening on radio, if it's the comments, if you're on video or podcast land, please get in touch. Let us know what you think. Share your ideas, share your comments, share your experiences. And look, we'll get you on the show. You never know. We might even want to just get in touch and bring you on as a guest. So uh, please do get in touch, share, let us know what you think. And thank you. Thanks Thanks for being here. And Glenn, thank you for doing this. We'll do it all again really, really soon. This is the PowerWorks Podcast. I'm James Pikeway. He's Glenn Power. And we're going to do it all again really, really soon.